Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, the notorious MMFC, Mr. Charette. Say what? MMFC, what's up, Doc G? What is MMFC? <laughs> <laughs> That's you. Word. That's you. Mikey Maximus Fernicus Charette. Ah, yes. MMFC. Okay. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, okay. I was thinking, I, like I think I pulled it from two things, Mike. I think I pulled it from notorious uh, Conor McGregor, because he mm-hmm. does that sometimes. Yeah. Which I, oh, yeah. I really wish that guy wouldn't have fallen off of a cliff, you know? Not like, literally, yeah. listeners. I'm just saying, like, his whole career. like mm. He, like, conquered the world and then just sort of nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nah. You know? Nothing. But he's got lots of money, so that's nice. Anyways. Yeah, he's, he's in chains. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, he seems yeah. to be doing okay, and he's got that great yeah. accent that's not going anywhere, so that's always good, you know? <laughs> that's fun. Which is yeah, that's nice. Unfortunate. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know. it's good. It's just if I were in a conversation with him, I'd have to go, huh, what? What? Wait, what? <laughs> it's like a totally different language. I ask him how, what like three times. I think th- three is where you give up and you just act like you know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Huh? What? Oh, oh, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, You'd have yes. no clue. No clue. Done that <laughs> with a couple of folks from Scotland that I know, Mike. Done that before. The Just a super Tough. thick Scottish accent. No yeah. idea. No idea. But MMFC, that's a limited special right there, Mike. That's Thank that's you, Jack. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that's that. We could bring it back. It could come back. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, that's just limited. That's limited time. Okay. Special. Get it while it's hot, while supplies last, mm. which mean this week, and then we're going to be done with it. So, okay. Unless the listeners really <laughs> like it. Unless we get comments galore that are like, bring back MMFC. Yeah. We'll do it. Change my Instagram name at that point. Yes. If yes. we get enough of a request. I will say, I will say, listeners, Jake, dedicated uh, co host Jake, when Jake was on the show, I called him Papa J Bones. And Papa J-Bones immediately <laughs> changed his Instagram <laughs> handle to Papa J-Bones. Nice. So, so he true. was he was dedicated to his nickname regardless. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'll take it. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, how's everything going in your life? Hmm. Dr. G, everything's good. Yeah, I've been, I've been binging Tom Hanks lately. It's like... Older, Tom new Hanks, Tom Hanks. New Tom Hanks. Okay. He dropped Pinocchio, such a great remake, uh, in my opinion. And then I also watched the Elvis. Uh, He was Elvis's manager. Man, he crushed it in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I like how you said dropped it. That's right. Like he's like a like it's a mixtape, and he's a hip hop artist. He, he he dropped a couple new flicks. Just drop that Pinocchio <laughs> on you, b- yeah. Tommy Hanks in this Legal. thing. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I mean, you know, I love. I I celebrate the whole catalog, Mike. Tommy mm-hmm. Hanks. I celebrate the whole catalog from yeah. from Big and a start. Oh my gosh, Big, one of my favorites. Got it in yeah. there. Got it in there on the old iTunes library right now. I could fire it up. Love that one. You know, <laughs> got. Uh, nice. I mean, and then your in betweens, like you're saving Private Ryan's, your Forrest Gumps. Love yeah. them. 
Love them, you know. Classics. The one yeah. I don't even remember it, but I enjoyed it pretty well. The one where he did, uh, where he stays in the airport, and he's the the foreign La, dude. Yeah. yeah, lost in translation. Yeah, no, there is something yeah. like that. That sounds right. Yeah. Nope, that sounds right. Or catch me if you can with our man Leo Ooh. DiCaprio. Oh, there you go. Such a good movie. That is a very good one. That's that's yeah, another one. That I one. actually didn't watch that when it first came out, and I went back after I became a Leo fan, and I was like, that dude is killing it. Was killing yeah, it back then too, man. Yeah, he was. Man, yeah, he was. You know, so I'm I'm glad you're on a, a Tom Hanks binge. That's good. It's good for yeah. you, Mike. Good things yeah. happening in your life. I'm gonna have to turn from positive <laughs> things to negative things, Mike. Oh, what's going on, man? What's what's happening? Negative things. I saw negative things in the news. So ah. I was going through the news. I think this was Yahoo News, and I came across this story here. Here's the headline. Quote, they died a waterfall for a gender reveal, and an investigation followed. Hmm. Uh, come on, man. Really? Yeah. These people? Yeah. And this, I mean, this is, so let me sum up this story, Mike. This is, this is Central Brazil. A couple thought it would be dope to go into a national forest, put blue dye into the waterfall, and celebrate their uh, kid's gender. You know? Ah, yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. So now, obviously, there's an investigation. And th there's an investigation to see if they damaged any wildlife in the water or they contaminated the drinking water. And you know that's really bad, Mike, because this is Brazil. And they yeah. don't really give a sh about anything that it, is true at least point, in the yeah. last like three or four years as far as as far as the ecology and the environment so mm -hmm. you know it has to be bad if they're like yeah better check this out but oh, no mike that's this there's a more important issue i don't know if it's more important than the environment but there's a more important issue to me that's irksome about this story yeah and what's irksome about this story is Gender reveal parties are dumb. That's a fact. Yeah, they really are. They're so dumb, Mike. They really are. Just, just a, waste a, of time. a waste of time. A waste of money. Mm -hmm. A waste of the people's souls that go to them. They serve no purpose. Yeah. I'm, and you know, I mean, I'm sure already there's probably one person out there. We probably lost a regular listener right now who was like, uh huh, mm. yeah, I love them. What? They serve a great purpose. They tell us the gender. Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> that's, that's not useful, one listener. Nope. Okay? Mm -mm. It's not useful at all. It gives us nothing. It's like, it's like having a party and uh, having a party to tell me how many cans of WD-40 you have in your garage. It's pointless. Yeah. You, hey, we have 15. What? No way. Yes, they have 15. <laughs> they are so lubed up. You don't even know. Like, it doesn't do anything to anyone no. there. Mm -mm. It doesn't even have a use for the parents, Mike. Nope. I mean, think about it. When you're a parent, what are you going to do with that? Like, a uh, 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 baby girl versus a baby boy the same thing anyways yeah it's the same colors they i mean do, they do the same yeah. thing you can they eat sleep and crap that's all they do yeah that's they don't need anything else mm -mm. ridiculous man ridiculous it really is I you know agree. and i 100%. thought we were, i thought we were done with them but we're not and apparently, Mike, thanks to the story, I can also find who to blame this all on. Word. Because in the story, it lists who is the originator of gender reveal parties. There's a single person. Ah. Uh, 
I didn't know this. I didn't yeah, know there was crazy. one person. Jenna Carvunidis. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. Jenna. Jenna. Yeah, it seems like a Jenna, right? <laughs> seems like a, a Jenna. A little bit. I mean, Jenna it's a, move. almost a modern day Karen. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit with that one. A little bit. I had no idea that there was a single person, but it is Jenna, apparently. And now, just like Victor Frankenstein, she regrets the creature mm. she made. Yeah. Mm. Word. Which, by the way, Mike, I, I knew this, but like, you know, I was thinking about it when I was writing this. You know, we always say Frankenstein, and, and the, the, the monster is not actually Frankenstein. That's the person that makes it, Victor Frankenstein. True. The monster's just a creature. They keep calling it creature, at least in the novel, you know. Yeah, I never knew that, actually. Yeah? I had no idea. Yeah, Victor Frankenstein is who creates the monster, and they regret creating it, and it ultimately hmm. kills them in the end. Yeah, so he never gets Ju a name. Yeah, just like gender reveal parties will ultimately kill Jenna. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, <laughs> Wait, it's not going to happen to Jenna. I'm just saying it's uh, she She regrets it, Mike. She is not yeah. a fan of these gender reveal parties. And here's how much she doesn't like it, Mike. Uh, she's been pretty vocal about it. And after a gender reveal party in El Dorado, or calls the El Dorado wildfire, she said, quote, for the love of God, stop burning things down to tell everyone about your kid's penis. No one cares about <laughs> you. Or no, sorry, no one cares but Nobody you. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> it's fairly similar. No one cares but you, you know? Yeah. And, Mike, it, it, it's true. Now, she came to this uh, conclusion because she's decided she doesn't, she doesn't like gender reveal parties because she doesn't like labeling the genders before the kid's born. That's, that's mm -hmm. why. But, Mike, I think the more very important thing that she brings up is that last uh, phrase. No one cares but you. It's a very important point, Mike. Yeah, it is. It is. I don't think these people realize. Nobody cares. No. Nobody. And not that they don't care about you. They, mm -hmm. they like, if something happened to you, there's, there's people that'd be like, oh, like, like, for instance, Mike, when the hurricane came through, I had several folks that text me and were like, oh my God, are you okay? Oh, are you all right? That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I was blown away. I'm like, I'm way too selfish for that. <laughs> I wouldn't have texted you if you were in a hurricane. Now I feel bad. My gosh. Wow. You know, but they did. So people care. They just don't care if you're doing something like this. Nope. Why? Why would they care? There's nothing that affects them in this at all. It's the same, Mike, for weddings extravagant birthday parties mm -hmm. and again i put the emphasis on extravagant not yeah, like extravagant, a normal yeah. not a normal mm -hmm. birthday party not we're going out to have wings and then a couple of drinks the party that it's like hey you're gonna come over at six we've got this activity first we're gonna do <laughs> this next no so annoying no schedule nobody yeah. wants to go to that way no mm -mm. no uh then uh gender reveal parties anniversary parties those four things, Mike. Weddings, extravagant birthday parties, gender reveal parties, anniversary parties. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> That's You're forcing fun on people, Mike, and yeah, they don't want to have real. that fun. It's not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You're forcing it. They don't like it. Yeah. Now, 
Luckily for people uh, that want to have these events, you can entice most of America with booze. Yes, you can. That's that's the positive. You get a little tequila mm-hmm. in there, people are going to come. Doesn't even yeah. doesn't even be the cheapest booze ever, and they'll be like, "Yeah, I'll get drunk. We'll see what happens." <laughs> right. Now, Mike, I want to make a guarantee right now. I'm taking a turn from negative Nancy to positive Pat. Okay, positive Pat. I'm going to make a guarantee to every listener out there right now. Here's my guarantee. I will never force you to come to a wedding, an extravagant birthday party, a gender reveal party, or an anniversary. That is my promise to you, listeners. (laughs) To you. None of you. You will never receive a letter in the mail that says that for me. You're not going to be like, oh, crap. (laughs) I got to go to Florida. I don't want to go to Florida. Everybody's insane there. You're not going to have to do that. I'm never going to ask you to do that, listeners. Never, ever. Never, ever. We thank you, Doc G. We thank you, but hey, please, if you get a wedding, come on. I would love to go. Mm -mm. No, Mike, you're not coming. You're not coming. Now, it's not because I don't love you. You would definitely come, but I'm not inviting anyone, so don't worry. Okay. There, there is no one coming. It is, nope. it is a, a sole thing between. The, it, it's an indication that you're not happy when you got to have the motivation of everybody else to be there, right? <laughs> like if those people weren't yeah. there, you'd be like, "I'm out. Never, never mind. That's a, this is a bad idea." It's an indication. If you really want to get married, you don't need any of those people. All you're focused on is the sole love between you and the other mm-hmm. person. But yeah, that doesn't happen, very Mike. True. That doesn't happen with everybody else. But you know what? If if I do get married, that's going to happen. That'll happen. Okay? So, Mike, I'm going to make <laughs> I'm going to make that guarantee to the listener. And now that we've made that guarantee, are you ready to fire up the show that is gender neutral because we never revealed it? Oh, whoa. Let's fire up this gender neutral show. <laughs> that's right. That is right. There we go. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Mike, we have a fantastic show. I'm extremely excited. Super talented. Two-time Grammy Award-winning artist, Jim Lauderdale. My goodness, Mike. This man, 35 albums. Wait, what? What? 35 albums. How is that even possible? Mm-hmm. Not only this, but get, get ready. get ready for this, Mike. He has written songs... Here are the names of some of the folks he's written songs for. George Strait, George Jones, Vince Gill, The Dixie Chicks, Gary Allen, Elvis Costello, Solomon Burke, Ralph Stanley, just a, and a whole bunch of other artists. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So true. Just a, just a talent beyond belief, Mike. Just a talent beyond. And I mean, our interview is going to be fantastic with him. But if uh, if listeners want to go into a little bit of deep dive on uh, on on Mr. Lauderdale, there's a fantastic documentary out there called uh, "The King of Broken Hearts," which fact. is about him. It's pretty great. Hmm. Pretty great. Yeah, Neat. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have a chat with Jim. I can't wait. He's gonna be playing here in uh, Jacksonville on the twelfth. So next week, he's going to be down here at the Blue Jay listening room, a little intimate setting. It's going to be pretty kick That sounds awesome. Yeah. 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 But until then, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, 
I don't think you'll get this one. That's fair. We know we know you're not super up on the old foosball players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not really. Uh, and this guy's not super mega ultra fan. I mean, he's he's uh, for foosball play uh, for foosball enthusiasts. This guy, people would know. But, okay. But for people that are just casual watchers like yourself, nope. Yeah, probably not. Anyways. Okay. Born on October 5th, 1989 in Westlake, Ohio, our birthday suit wearer was the son of an NFL lineman who played for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Our birthday suit wearer loved sports growing up. He was a great three-sport athlete, but he loved football the most. He was a three-year letter winner as a quarterback in his high school team. However, he received little interest from colleges. Ended up going near his high school to the University of Cincinnati, who actually switched him to tight end. He was suspended. This will pique your interest, Mike. He was suspended in 2010 for the whole year because of marijuana use. Girl, come on. Mm. Yeah. Whole, yeah. whole year. How extreme. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in his senior year, he was awarded the tight end of the year award by the College Football Performance Awards. In 2013, he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, 63rd overall. He has been with the Chiefs ever since. He has become a seven-time Pro Bowler, a five-time All-Pro player, and a Super Bowl champion. Name that birthday suit where? Hmm. No idea. <laughs> I, I, I figured. I figured. Maybe yeah. the name will jog it, maybe? Travis okay. Kelsey. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody. Nothing. Nothing. That's just sorry, sorry guys. Just like Jeff Heimerman. What? I have no yeah. idea who you're talking about. Jeff Heimerman no. was a name I made up, folks. Uh, Travis mm. Kelsey, 33 years old, Mike. 33 yeah. years old. He's. Uh, I would say. Hmm. You know, he's one of the top tight ends in the NFL. He's pretty. He's 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 pretty known as being one of those sort of. Uh, I, I wouldn't say like a wild card, but he's 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 a little bit. He's not like as 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 crazy as Gronk. You know Gronk, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah he's like Tom Brady's go-to. Mm -hmm. Except he's retired now, yeah. so you know. Was his go-to? Yeah. Although people do think that he he might come back, Gronk. You know, huh? They think he's got it. He's still got the athleticism. Yeah, I, well, I watched him. You know, yeah. they think it's it's that idea of like I don't want to actually bang my body up through the whole season. I'm just gonna wait until uh, Tom gets to the playoffs and then be like, uh, all right, yeah, I'm yeah. coming back in, you guys. It's so crazy they can do that. It's well, so, it's so wild. I like, mean, how late into the season can you just jump back on board? Like, and it really, I mean, as long as you don't have some other contract that's uh, that's precluding you. Any team can sign you at any time. Like you know, wow. If I go, if I go to the Raiders right now and I say, "Hey guys, hmm. running back right here," am I right? They they would be like, <laughs> "No, you're not talented." But another guy that could be talented, they might they might actually take him. So you know, okay, just, yeah. yeah. And I mean, obviously with Gronk, it's like, yeah, we we know what he can do. Let's take him yeah. on. Like you know, so it's uh. It's uh, it's it's speculated, but Travis Kelsey, mm. uh, fantastic tight end, did some damage against Tom just uh, on Monday night there, or not Monday oh. night, Sunday night. Sorry, Sunday night football game, Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. Kansas uh, City did a little uh, uh, a little 
little uh, beatdown, as they say in hmm. the industry. Nope. Yes, a little beatdown of Tom and, and Tampa Bay. So, Doc G, what, is it, what exactly, real quick school here, what exactly does the tight end do in football? Mm. Like, what are they, are they receiver? Like, do they catch the football to run the touchdowns? Do they tight, do more of the tight end stuff? is at the end of the line, the offensive line. And okay. they have two major roles. They can either be a blocker or okay. they can be a receiver. Gotcha. So they're going to usually have shorter passes that they're going to take. Right. So okay. they're going to sort of fake out if they notice, you know, depending on defensive situations, if they see something going on and the the play is called, they're going to run out and they're going to be an outlet for the, the uh, quarterback. Or mm. if there's a lot of rush coming in, a lot of defenders trying to sack the quarterback, they're going to be an extra man blocking. That's a fact. And, okay. you know, if you get really, really lucky, you can have a tight end that can do both. That, that mm. can be an awesome blocker and an awesome receiver and just amazing. But okay. for a long time, it was, you know, you, you sort of had tight ends that were either known as a blocking tight end or a receiving tight end. You know, they specialize sort of in one. Right. You know. Okay. That's what they do, Mike. That's what they are. Cool. Thanks. Tight ends. Thanks, Doctor. There you go. There you go. Uh, Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, this is a good one. This first one here. Uh, the folks at Avcom, Avcom, which is a, a UK um, site, surveyed 200 folks in the United Kingdom to decide the severity of of every swear word in British English. Word. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I like that, actually. I, re I really do. I'm very interested to hear what... In uh, order of offensiveness. In order of offensiveness. And they, they categorize the swear words, Mike, into mild, medium, strong... And hot. And strong. <laughs> blazing. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> yeah. They, they have different... It does. I Spicy. Did, I did get the definitely the same sensation with mild and medium that you're like, all right. <laughs> Taco Bell sauce. Do we have lemon pepper in there as well? <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, Mike, uh, as they ranked it, uh, mild, this is sort of their description of the categories. Mild were thought to be okay to use around children. Mm. And then uh, the medium words could be potentially harmful around children and so they say potentially able to use before 9 p.m and then the mm. strong words <laughs> should definitely be used after 9 p.m that's a fact okay mike uh 18 of the strong words uh are synony synonyms for genitalia wow <laughs> okay 18 of them and i will say since it's british folks that were judging these words Four of them, no idea what they were. Nope. I literally had to look them up. I was just like, what is... Oh, that's a vagina. Uh, hmm. All right. <laughs> Neat. Didn't know. Like, Mike, yeah. I bet you can guess the strongest. The There's mm. three strongest. Two of them are offshoots of each other. And the... You're going to blurp this of out, Of course. Right? Say it. Of okay. course. That's it's gotta be. You got it. I didn't even have to. <laughs> Number I was, one. I was gonna say the word most offensive to women. I knew you would get it. Yes, 
And then that's number one. That's well, I mean, they weren't See, ranked as far as three okay, of them, but three of them were in the strongest category. What are the okay. other two that are in the strongest? Like I said, the other two are offshoots of each other. One is just, in the other. Yeah, I just know they love that one. Um, I got nothing else actually. That's the, oh come that's on. The, What's the one? What's the go-to? Like. That's one. And then what's the okay. offshoot of it? Or I guess you could say maybe the integral of it. I don't Mother. That's it. There you go. You got you got all three, Mike. All right, perfect. There we go. All right. That's Sweet. the three most offensive, the strongest, which, you know, I, I think I can agree with that. I can agree with yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I'll say I was a bit thrown off, though, in the uh, in the uh, media or the, the mild category. God was there. Hmm. Which I, I feel like that might be judged differently, like in America. Like I was like, really? Yeah. That one you can. That'd be a three in my mom's in my mom's ears. Yeah. Well, like I mean, like you could use that around kids. Like <laughs> I feel like if I'm in an elementary school and I come in, I'm like, God, this place is dirty. What's up, guys? How's it going? Like I feel like, <laughs> eh, eh, maybe you know. And then. Two that I'd never heard of in the medium category. I don't think I have to blur these out since we're not on English uh, uh, radio, on British uh, radio. Have you yeah. ever heard of Munter? Munter, no. Never heard that. Apparently, that's a derogatory term for an unattractive lady. She's mm. a real Munter. Mm. Have No idea, Mike. No idea. Mm. And then, have you ever heard of Bent? B-I-N-T. Bent. I don't think so. I've, I spend a lot of I spend a lot of time around British people too. I don't, I don't think they ever use these words. Bent is apparently a derogatory term for a lady that is taking a lot of gentleman collars, Mike. Word. Mm. Bent. Mike, basically what Can I hear it in a sentence, please? <laughs> spell it for the spelling bee. Mike, basically what I'm saying is this list has helped me realize I need to be more creative with my cursing. That's a fact. Yeah. Here I am circulating like five different curse words when I could be throwing around like fifty of them. I need yeah. I need to get more creative. Munter and Bent. I'm gonna be thrown off Bent the Munter. Oh, come on. Uh Mike, real quick story off of Twitter, Twitter, uh, the Harrisonburg Sener Senators, they're a minor league baseball team located in Harrisonburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, they posted some nice pics of their ground crew that, uh, that cares for the field with the caption, fact, our ground crew is cooler than yours. Pretty harmless, right? That's nice. Yeah. 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 A uh, lady named Ethel did not think so. <laughs> oh, Ethel. Oh, a la lady named Ethel, who has the bio, quote, love God and my country, just say no to communism and socialism. Hmm. Uh, she replied, want to prevent voter fraud? Make them give us a receipt for our ballot or a copy of the ballot after it went through the machine, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> Demand a receipt, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Huh? Mike, all of that was in caps too, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, no other way. To which the senators <laughs> replied, quote, ma'am, we're a baseball team, end quote. So true. Uh, now, 
Perfect. Mike, people were saying it was a spam account and that Ethel was not a real. I've got to say, Mike, the account was created in the beginning of 2009. And I went through some of the other tweets. There were things that had nothing to do with politics that were of Ethel's daily life. I don't know if that's if that's spam or not. I'm going to go out and on a limb and say Ethel's a cr- real crazy old woman. Well, yeah, I'm going to say. That sounds right. 2009 spam mm. accounts aren't that old. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, speaking of crazy old women, uh pretty hilarious story out of Indiana. I think this is my favorite of the week. A woman who owns a uh, corn farm. She sells corn at the front of the farm. There's a corn stand, and it works on an honor system. Hmm. You take the corn, and when you take the corn, you go over to the money bin that's in the mailbox, and you pay for the corn. Uh, one day, the woman went to get her money. It seemed pretty low. She was like, huh, I feel like I've sold more corn than that. And so she has a security camera, and the woman checked the security camera. Sure enough, on the video, there's a woman blatantly taking money from the money bin. Wait, what? And a lot of it. A, t- a good amount mm. of corn money. So, the uh. woman put the alleged thief's picture on Facebook to help identify this woman. This is one of my favorite parts. <laughs> Family members of the thief were like, yeah, that's Teresa. Huh? Yeah, you should should probably get Teresa arrested. 67-year-old Teresa was identified by her family members on Facebook after stealing corn money. Then, before the woman has time to report Teresa to the police, Teresa calls the woman up and is like, Hey, you take my picture off of Facebook, you're giving me a real bad rap. That's a fact. By the way, I totally didn't take any money. And the woman's like, yeah, you did. It's on the video. You yeah. took money. And the woman didn't take it down, and she called the police and handed over all of the security videos. Now, mind you, this woman only watched the last couple hours of the video. She handed over five days of video of the security footage to the cops. Detectives counted 18 times that Teresa took money and corn from the stand. Wow. What a munter. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and in one of the videos, she's even counting the money out loud. 150. 50. Yeah. Savage. Yeah. Yeah. She's just doing it right in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. One for me, one for me. One for me, none for you. The cops bring her in for questioning. Tell her what she's been accused of. And she's like, you know, um, I may have done this and didn't remember it because I may have dementia. Hmm. Ah, and the, the dementia. Card. And the cops were like, uh, have you been diagnosed with dementia? And Teresa was like, no, Hmm. but I could have it, right? That could be a thing. Could that be a thing? And the cops were like, no, no, it couldn't be a thing. And Teresa was charged with 18 counts of theft. Oh, man. (laughs) 
So, so Good. Mike, let this be a lesson to all you 67-year-old corn stand thieves in Indiana. You're not going to get away with it. Nope. Don't try it. <laughs> Mike, surprisingly, I don't know about you. I don't have any honor system corn stands around me. Mm. No. Do you have any of those? No. I'm guessing not in uh, in Nevada. There's not really. No. But you know what, though? They used to have an honor system coffee shop in Orlando. Mm. You would pay what you wanted to pay. It was like a donation. Uh and um, you know, you know, there's some 75 year old just going in there every single day, just paying a, a penny. There we go. There we yeah. go. That's, oh yeah, that's what you yeah. get. That's it. Here's your quarter. That's what I used to pay for our that's, coffee. This is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. The price of coffee. Mike, last story here. Uh, Halloween is coming up. That's a fact. And uh, some politicians have started making uh, claims that drug traffickers are deliberately packaging deadly fentanyl pills disguised as candy to drive addiction among children and adults. Mm. Word. Mm -hmm. Not good. Alabama Senator Coach Tuberville, uh, and I say Coach Tuberville because if you don't know, he used to be a coach at Auburn, and now he's a senator because that's how things work in America, uh, said that parents need to double, triple check their candy for suspicious-looking packages and unpackaged goodies. Hmm. He said it's, a, it's, quote, a huge problem, and it's getting worse. <laughs> Mike, this is banana sandwich in so many ways. This is, in, first of all, why would drug traffickers use kids to drive addiction? Hmm. Why? Kids have yeah. no, kids have no power, no money, and can overdose way easier. Like, yeah. what? What would be the thought process here? What's the plan? We're going to get them hooked, mm -hmm. and they're going to use their lunch money to buy fentanyl instead of Starburst? No. <laughs> nope. Makes no sense. Second, parents need to double and triple check their candy. I'm going to say if you can't get in the first two passes, probably not going to catch it. <laughs> like, you're probably going to miss true. it. And then, lastly, Mike, it's a huge problem, and it's getting worse. I would say the opioids prescribed by doctors to patients who don't really need them would be driving many more folks to overdoses than the drug dealers pushing their fentanyl candy on Halloween. That True. would be my uh, focus. And you know who agrees with me, Mike? Who? Dr. Who Joel Best. Dr. Joel Best. Best is the leading tainted candy researcher in the country. Word. Yeah. Talk about a great business card, Mike. Expert tainted candy researcher. Hey, <laughs> here you go. That's me. Uh, Dr. Bess said, since 1958, there have never been any cases of tainted, tainted candy that have led to death in this country. Nope. 1958. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's, yeah. You would not believe that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mike... 71,238 people died from fentanyl overdoses last year. So it doesn't seem like there's much crossover going between Halloween and fentanyl. Just uh, 
Nope. Just a look there, Mike. Seventy-one thousand mm-hmm. to zero. Yeah. Seventy-one thousand in a year. Zero in sixty-four Ever. years. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I was pretty happy with myself just doing that match just now, Mike. I did that right. It's pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Really quick. Thanks. Really quick. Thanks. Uh, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest right now. This is his fantastic song, The Day the Devil Changed, one of my favorites, right here on the Doc G Show. devil changed like he woke up from a dream and he couldn't stand the man that he'd become he stood up and looked around at the law had been found and he swore he'd make a heaven of his home when he suddenly decided to make his wrongs all right and the world would never be the same again devil changed he was sad and so ashamed and he knew he'd have to face the things he'd done well he had to make amends he had let down all his friends and every single one gave him love and it suddenly
On the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do listeners need to do? Oh, they need to subscribe to the show, mm-hmm. follow the show, mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. We're on everything. Instagram, follow us on there. We've got the in. YouTube channel. YouTube. To- tune in. Yeah. yeah. Mirror and Stitcher. Leave a good review. Leave a good yeah. review, guys. Oh, good reviews all day yeah. all day do it do it for us guys do it for us um yes! i don't know I was, I was trying to think of what that sounded like do it for us but anyways <laughs> mike let's thank the regulars here <clears throat> shout out shout out to jacksonville florida columbia south carolina radford virginia gainesville florida frankfurt germany anoka minnesota ashburn virginia piracai brazil san diego california dublin ireland boardman oregon genoa italy richardson texas barcelona spain winfield west virginia biloxi mississippi tulsa oklahoma peoria illinois katie texas toms river new jersey olive branch mississippi Asheville, north carolina and los angeles california almost made it almost made it Shout out. had california left there uh so close Mike, we got some interesting ones here in uh, the old semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out to Sydney, Australia. New York, New York. Reggio Calabria, Italy. Uh, Sacramento, California. Sacktown. Berlin, Germany. Florencia, Colombia. Colombia. Seattle, Washington. Delhi, India. Pullman, Washington. Orlando, O-Town. Hope mm-hmm. you guys are doing okay with the flood damage, O-Town. Mm-hmm. Richmond, Virginia. Detroit, Michigan. Rockford, Illinois. Amsterdam, Netherlands. And Wilmington, North Carolina. Shout out. There we go, Mike. Yeah, nice group. Nice group. You know, a couple internationals. Australia, mm-hmm. India, uh, Germany. You got it all around there. All around Sweet. there. I've been to only a few of those. I think like four or five. I've been to Wilmington, been to Detroit, been to Richmond, been to Orlando, been to Seattle, been to New York. I don't think I've ever actually been to Sacktown. Have you been to Sacramento, Mike? I don't think so, no. Is that... That's like Nor NorCal. Right? Oh, it's NorCal. Yeah. It's NorCal, it's and NorCal. it's actually not coastal. You know, it's uh, it's sort of in the 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 center of the state, mm. not center as far as as north south, but center as far as east west. Mm. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Sacktown. Shout out, my man, my man Del Delmar. He's in uh, he's in uh, Sacktown. Maybe it was Delmar. I don't know. Uh, Mike, thanks to everybody that listens. We appreciate yes. it. Thank Every you, single one you. of you appreciate for the one listeners. You know what? If you want to just, I mean, as I always say. You don't even have to really listen to the show. You can fake us out. You can just <laughs> so you can just press it a bunch of times and make me think you're listening to the show, and I'll be like, "Oh yes! Look at all these <laughs> listens. People are listening to the show." I will appreciate that false sense 
of appreciation of our show. Your appreciation will be appreciated, listeners. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. If you can do, you know, I I don't know if I'm ranking things that I appreciate, Mike. If I put that higher than a, a good review, mm. I, I don't know. I you know, it's a little bit more temporary with the listens. The the review stays there for forever, and you're like, look at that review. They said this is their favorite yeah. show. Yes, yes. You know it. You know, whereas the listens, I feel good for a week, and then it disappears off of the statistics, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh. So either, if you want to do both, you'll be a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it will be. Anyways, Mike, Mike, uh, we need to pull out the old miscellaneous file real quick. Oh, what do we got? Yeah, real top, real quick topic, Mike. Um, and this is, this is important for us TV viewers that, that still watch some TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we get somebody to update the emergency broadcast system alert? Mm. I was still like, saying. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching TV uh, when Hurricane Ian was rolling through Florida, and I got a couple of emergency warnings, right? And it reminded me that they haven't changed this since 1954. They're... There have been more fentanyl Halloween candy overdoses than there have been changes <laughs> to the emergency broadcast system in the past 70 years, Mike. Like, whose idea is it that the alert system should look like it was made for a 1950s horror movie? <laughs> it's still the same. I can't believe it. Yeah, it just comes on with that stupid, like, boop, boop. And just like, I mean, a new sound effect would be nice. Uh... Like a, you know, I don't know, like a uh, a new voice. We could get a new voice on there. Yeah, something a little less, something more soothing. Uh, a brace, yeah, like yeah. Tom Hanks. Can we recruit? Who's, who's the producer over the emergency system broadcast? Like, mm-hmm. they need a little bit more energy. They yeah. need to bring in some new blood in there. I don't know. It's just, I heard it and I was like, what is the... What the? I mean, like to me, if I were there, I would be like, "This is gonna make people turn off the TV." Maybe <laughs> we should have have people listen to what our alert is. You know, I want to see this emergency broadcast. What does it look? What is it called? What would I be? Emergency broadcast. I don't even know what picture. they would have if they have it on YouTube or if they have it. Yeah, emergency broadcast. Is it the, like the one with all the colors? The on line. It? Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I always think yeah. it's like the one where there's like a guy in the middle and it looks like that. It's like an Indian chief. Yeah, there's like this. Uh, there's another emergency broadcast. Well, uh, I guess I see that a little they, bit more they, in the movie. They have the one, the, the scrolling one too, that they don't actually make you leave you, whatever you're watching, and but it just takes over the audio. Hmm. And it also has the little scrolling below like tornado warnings in yeah, these yeah, counties. Yeah, yeah. Blah, okay. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's ridiculous, Mike. Update it, guys. Yeah, they Update. do. Give, they need to. Give us some pizzazz. Yeah. Give us some pizzazz. Mike, uh, it's time for quick hitters. Quick time hitters. for quick hitters. Uh, Mike, a survey commissioned by the California Endowment. Ask 800 Californians age 18 to 24 about their mental health. And they found that 75% of them reported some anxiety. Over 50% of them experienced depression, and almost a third experienced suicidal thinking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. 
I mean, are you really? You're telling me that they're depressed even after this great world we're giving to them. Come on. Look at all the great things in our society, Mike. Nope. How could you be depressed with it? That's like surveying Walmart customers and being surprised when they're not satisfied with their shopping experience. Really? <laughs> this Wonder World? You're not excited about this place? Like, of course they're depressed. Look at this place we're giving them. Good Lord, we've effed this place up so much. Of course they're not excited about it. Yeah. Jeez. Need to do some things about it, Mike. Need to do some things. Mike, We do. Uh, in a recent S episode of The Kardashians, hmm. Kris Jenner let folks know she almost forgot she owned a $1.6 million condo in Beverly Hills. Word. Forgot she owned it. Just forgetting her. Yeah. That's why the show's so popular, Mike. It's just relatable. Yeah. It's just relatable, lovable con uh, content. <laughs> Who does who doesn't think, man, I've been in the exact scenario, mom who got famous by selling your daughter's sex tape to the highest bidder. Ew. So relatable. So relatable. Like ugh. Ugh with a side of ugh, Mike. <laughs> um Mike at the latest uh, uh, sort of a continuation of that last story. At the latest Yeezy fashion show, Kanye West wore a shirt that said, quote, white lives matter. Wow, I didn't know that. Ah, uh, that's so Kanye. Yeah, yeah. As you can imagine, Mike, that didn't go so well. Nope. Hmm. It's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Just, what are you thinking, Yeezy? I good don't Lord. know. I miss the old uh, Kanye. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, 2000, 2004 Kanye, that's who I miss. Yeah, that guy. Me too. I, miss I miss that dude. Um, Mike Lizzo, did you see Lizzo's news this this past week? Okay, I think I recall something about a flute, and then mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a meme, but she dropped the flute, and it was a very old flute. Uh, no, she, she didn't yeah, drop yeah. it. She, just she, she didn't it. drop it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Mike, she made news because she played James Madison's crystal flute that oh, was stored wow. in the Library of Congress. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And after she did, thousands of conservative folks were outraged. Outraged. And I will tell you right now, Mike, if any of those folks can tell me where that flute came from, why it was made, or the fact that you even knew it existed before this story, I will give them all the money I have in the bank. <laughs> because I guarantee you they cannot tell me one of those three things. One of those three things, Mike. Why do you even care about something you didn't even know existed until you heard the story? Like, hmm. good Lord. I going to take a guess here, but uh, I'm not going to because we're on the radio. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, Mike. So true. Uh, Boston Dynamics and Tesla have both recently just revealed their humanoid robots. Mm, I did see that, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and a lot of folks are making fun of Tesla's robot, Mike, for looking way less technologically advanced than Boston <laughs> Dynam uh, Dynamics robot. 
Yeah. Boston Dynamics robot was over there doing dance moves, looking super smooth, and Tesla's was looking like from like a 1978 movie about robots. Yeah. Nonetheless, Mike, both of them should be cleared to kill all human life within a couple of months. So, so true. Looking forward to that. Very excited. Yes! Mike, over the weekend, Coolio's website crashed after too many fans were rushing to try to buy merchandise after the rapper sadly passed away. Ah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas guy, too. He was a local guy. Yeah. Which I think I can confidently speak for Coolio when I say, um, that's a day late and a dollar short, heads. Yeah. Like, Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait to appreciate me now, guys. Like, come on, man. Where were where were you when I was alive? Good lord, man! That just that was a little annoying to me, Mike. It was a little yeah. annoying to me. I was like, yeah. now, now you're gonna appreciate. Okay, okay. Anyways, Mike, we are gonna take a break. We are gonna be right back with none other than Jim Lauderdale right here on the Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are extremely lucky to have a man that's been making terrific music for 40 years. He's won two Grammys. He's one of the hosts of the Buddy and Jim show on Outlaw Country on Sirius XM, and he just released his newest album, Game Changer. He is the king of broken hearts, Mr. Jim Lauderdale. Jim, how are you, sir? Great, Ben. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Tonight, I... rather. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I get them mixed I get them mixed up and they all blurs run together to the other. Understandable. Yeah. Uh you are playing the Blue Jay listening room here in Jacksonville on October 12th. And I was thinking uh you know, leading up to the show, do you ever do you ever sit back and just try to think of how many live performances you've done in your career? Have you ever, like, a rough estimate, tabulation? I haven't. That's a good question. You know, then you're the first person to ask me that. A lot of times people say, how many songs have you written? And I'm not even really <laughs> sure about that. But, uh, no, that's a good question. I need to kind of estimate that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the Blue, the, the Blue Jay, I love it. It's a great small venue it's an intimate setting you really get to feel uh whoever the artist is that's playing but for a guy like yourself that's that's done a lot you know a a a lot of big performances you you know you've done 
the Americana Awards for so many years, and you've 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 done these big stages with big folks like George Strait before. How how do you get amped playing a show like the Blue Jay? How do you still get? Is is it just the love of performing? Because I mean, I hear you know, I hear every time somebody goes to one of your shows, they say Jim killed it. So how do you do it? Oh, well, good. You know, it just kind of uh, comes together right before I go on, no matter what kind of shape I'm in. Mm -hmm. It usually, uh, usually that adrenaline kicks in and uh, the energy from the audience, and we kind of exchange that. And, uh, so I, most of the time it works out mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> you know, but so, so <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, that's funny because I do, and I, I'm now next week I'll be nice and rested. I will mm. have had a few days off, but um, sometimes at the end of a long run, I just think I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then you get out there, and, and it all fades away. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a, the the life of an entertainer. The life of an entertainer. Yeah. Well, yeah. now for listeners uh, of my show who are uninformed, you are synonymous with Americana. Like I said, you've you've you hosted the Americana Awards for seventeen years. Uh, your show with Buddy is is very Americana based. The term Americana seems like it was sort of tailored for you. I mean, honestly, as as far as what you think of when you think of rootsy American music, that is Jim Lauderdale. Uh, when you started out with music, did you ever say to yourself you were going to be in one genre, or was it always sort of blurred? It it kind of blurred. Um, I grew up listening to everything, and then. I wanted to start out in bluegrass as re recording wise. I used to play the banjo and then that didn't end up hap <clears throat> happening. I actually did a record with Roland White, one of my bluegrass heroes when I was 22. And I heard I that was in deal. Earl Scruggs's basement. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We, uh, I've moved to Nashville for a while. I wanted to hang out with George Jones and Roland White, and I didn't with George Jones. I was too shy and just, didn't, you know, uh, kind of, I, I wasn't aggressive enough to try to get in there and hang with them. Uh, that's, a, well, it's but, a, uh, that's a big figure to feel like you can go up to hang to yeah. regardless, yeah. Yeah, yes. But Roland, it worked out, and he was really kind of took me under his wing, and so we did this duo record before I left Nashville. I moved up to New York City after that because I, I just couldn't get it going enough in Nashville to make a living. Mm -hmm. And uh, and oddly enough, there was all this country stuff going on in New York and some bluegrass. But eventually, um, I got a country record deal yeah. when I was in my early 30s. And I followed that path for a while, but in the middle of those country deals, I did a couple of albums that were more eclectic, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of, of a lot of different things. And uh, so I guess in, in a lot of ways, like, like you're saying, it, it was 
kind of diverse they were all stylistic yeah always influences pushing yeah and and now this new record game changer is a pretty traditional country mm -hmm. record um i graham parsons is one of my heroes and uh uh i really dug how he with his other sensibilities made country records you know and uh so that's that's what i'm doing in my next series of records i do have a bluegrass thing i'm working on and uh working on some stuff with steve poltz mm -hmm. and then some other members when i can take the band out i've got this great brother and sister lily may and frank rishi who are in the band and Lily May's husband, Craig. And Lily May just had a baby, though, so she's going to not tour for a little while. But, um, and that band is also very eclectic. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, so I, I, but I'm doing a project with them, mm. a band project, and I'm going to feature Lily May more on vocals than me. I'm just going to write co-write the songs and sing harmony most of the time and kind of be a band guy with that so i've got all these side projects going on and a soul record in memphis i need to finish i did a few there with the north mississippi all-stars yeah. as the uh, kind of main part of the band with horns and all that but uh so i i love a little bit of everything probably like your listeners you oh, know yeah. we've all just heard different things and, and different artists really appeal to us and uh and we just like it all well I, th I think now is a better time than ever to have all those influences um yeah it, would you say i i mean you mentioned graham and i know he's he's just such a influence on so many artists would you say he was sort of because in my mind he's sort of the precursor of americana you know yeah he he was and and uh you know there's guys like him and delbert Mc, and delbert mcclinton actually did a lot of kind of a fusion of country and r&b and blues and funk and and uh you know there's bands like one of my favorite bands dawn of the buffalo mm -hmm. that you know are very eclectic and uh <clears throat> and i always look at these singer songwriters too like john prine and guy clark uh who you know paved the way for a lot of singer songwriters and so i think those guys are really kind of the godfathers mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Graham, Graham definitely being one of the important and bands like the Grateful Dead, mm -hmm. a lot of them, you know, American roots music did their own thing. And, and uh, I was lucky enough to get to write a lot with Robert Hunter, mm -hmm. who's been one of my favorite writers. And uh, so that uh, I'm real happy about our body of work. Well, and and another band I know you you uh, were inspired by Nitty Gritty Dirt Band that we were lucky yeah. enough to have on the show. They were uh, they're another sort of blurred lines group there. Yes. Now I'm I'm give, dating myself a little bit, but when I was uh, a sophomore in high school, that record. Well, I guess I was about a junior, and I just wore out 
Will the Circle Be Unbroken? That was such an important record with Bring it just, in the- yeah. And and uh, it gave a real shot in the arm to people like Vassar Clements and uh, Jimmy Martin and Earl Scruggs and Doc Watson. I mean, it really yeah. blew open the doors for, for those guys. But how, how I mean that's that's pretty wild that you know you're listening to it as a junior and then just a couple of years later you're recording an album in Earl Scruggs's basement. That's got to be yes. a pretty wild experience. It it was it was very surreal, and he would uh, uh, come down to the basement. His son Steve was the engineer, mm-hmm. and Earl would come down with an apron on. <laughs> He'd be wearing a dress shirt and, you know, be dressed, <laughs> tie, mm-hmm. and he'd have an apron on and he'd bring the silver tray with uh-huh. china of coffee, uh, <laughs> you know, and everything. And we'd have coffee and uh, just. <laughs> just being a good host. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, a way to, that's a way to meet an icon. That's always nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned, like you said, you, you started sort of uh, bluegrass was sort of your first thought. And I heard, you know, in, in the, the sort of great documentary out there uh, about yourself, uh, King of Broken Hearts, uh, I'm Chopping Wood was the first uh, sort of song that started ruminating yeah. in your in your head. And when I hear you talking about putting together albums like game changer and like like you mentioned at the start sort of just trying to think of all the songs that you've written it seems like you've just sort of got like a stockpile of songs like they're just sort of like laying around you're like oh right this one i could use this one would work for this album is is that the way i mean do you have that many stored (laughs) up or is it is it uh more come as they go there i i have a lot of unfinished songs uh, you know unfortunately and i wish i would give my eye teeth if i had all of these finished songs laying around but <laughs> the way it works for me is i'll i'll think of a project like okay and i want to do you know this kind of record now i will look back I, I have a lot of recorded tracks with everything done but a finished vocal because I hadn't written the lyrics yet and sung on it. So I've got several albums worth of things like that. And um, so, and then also on my phone, I record melodies or titles. And then when I'm working on a record, I will flip back through this app with all these little bits of recordings are, and I label them. And then I go, hey, and I listen, and I go, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll work. But a lot of times I'm doing this as I'm in the studio. So the pressure is really on. Mm. And then I finish up something and I go back out on the road. And, and so it's kind of a constant So there's thing. all kinds of loose ends hanging around you and you're just waiting to yes. pull, pull those loose ends when you're ready to write that album. Yeah. Nice. There's yeah. more. Lo- there's more loose ends hanging around than at the Duncan Yo-Yo factory. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could see. I mean, that makes sense. You think of something, and then it's that 
solid idea, whether it's a verse, whether it's a melody, whether it's anything, and then you just sort of, okay, well, I like that. All right, well, that's all I've got right now. Okay, we'll put that away for later. I don't want to forget it, yeah. but that's all I've got right now. Um, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you went to Nashville as, as, uh, after you graduated, and it you, like you said, it didn't really happen when you first went to Nashville as far as like you thought it was going to happen. You sort of had the same sort of idea that everybody does go to Nashville, become famous in a couple of months, huge star, boom. Uh, And I I love the way you put it. It's it's like the classic music story in in the documentary. You're showing songs to a publisher. Publisher's just looking off into the distance. And then after you finish a song, he's just like, that's good, but it's not a hit. Uh, And every single song was not a hit. And I was wondering how much, I mean, you seem like very determined, obviously, to be in the music industry, but that first impression when you had that first interview, how depressing was that when he kept saying it, that? It was. I, I didn't understand what he meant until years later, really until a few years ago. I, I kind of... At that time, I felt like the guy was being dismissive. Every, every song I'd play live, or I, I had a, a little reel-to-reel tape mm-hmm. that I gave him, and that had about five songs I demoed with the band, and then and then I'd play these songs alone, uh, just with a guitar. And and yeah, after every song, you go, that's good, but it's not a hit. And I just felt like it was this crushing rejection and I, I really didn't get it. But then later I realized that as a music publisher, what he meant was this isn't another, you know, this isn't a mama's don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys or something that has that groundbreaking Um, he knows uh, this quality yeah this quality that you play and people go nuts so yeah you know so there's a difference between a good well-crafted song and a smash hit oh yeah you know some song and i want to hold your hand Mm -hmm. or you know uh superstition or whatever you know Mm -hmm. all of these songs that somehow have this mojo to them that just, you know, like you go to a bluegrass festival, you hear Orange Blossom Special or mm-hmm. Rocky Top or mm-hmm. Foggy Mountain Breakdown, mm-hmm. and people just go nuts, you know. Well, now, uh, I, I, you, I am curious, though, because, you know, publishers can get it wrong, obviously. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I know publishers... I mean, the story is pretty famous of everybody not wanting to take on Willie Nelson's Redheaded Stranger because they thought it had zero right. hits on it. Since yeah. since since you now have credit to several hits, I mean, you have number one country song. Do you think there were any hits in that initial batch when you look back on it? Do you say, eh, there might have been one or two? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I was too, you know, I was very naive back then and probably new artists think this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when I did my first demo 
when I was about 19. And I had did three songs. This friend of mine, a great guitar player, took me in. We had bass and drums and his guitar. And I thought, okay, I've got these three songs. I'll get a record deal. Uh, I'll quit school and be touring the world mm. and <laughs> have the record out in probably three or four months. And those those I were the first no, those were the first three songs you'd ever gone all the way through. Three with yeah, with only three songs <laughs> recorded. I thought that I really did. I believed that that was how it worked and what would happen, you know. Yeah. And it took you know ten years or twelve years after that for mm-hmm. things to really kind of start happening. And then and then my first record country record didn't come out either that dwight yoakam's producer did and i do think there were hits on there and pete did also and then the next record i did uh with rodney crowell and john leventhal that record came out and there were hits on that uh and then but i didn't have them on my own but other people started recording things like George Strait, you know, and and they were, had big success with them. So that opened the door too, for me as a songwriter uh, with these other artists. And that gave me the freedom eventually when I stopped doing major label country records, I just started doing whatever I wanted Mm -hmm. and releasing them with independent labels or on my own. And uh, and that's still what I'm doing now. And uh, and even though I know I'm not in that world of like mainstream radio with hits, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not in in that uh, on that playing field. But I still, when I write songs, I still want them to have that quality. Yeah, you know, not a contrived thing, but I just want them to be good enough that people react to them in a, in a good way. Hopefully, you know, yeah. that's what I want. Right? And that they they want to hear those songs over and over. You know, it's got that, yeah. that thing to them. But that's two, two things. Uh, one, when you're talking about the three songs that you had finished, it, it reminds me of uh, Glenn Fry and, and Bob Seger, because Bob Seger sort of took Glenn Fry under his wing, the first person to sort of talk to Glenn Fry about songwriting. And he said, Well, you got to start writing songs. And Glenn said, Well, uh, what if they're bad? And Bob Seger said, They're going to be bad. They're, they're, you're you're going to be bad at first. And he said, Well, what yeah. do I do? Just keep writing. They'll get better as you write more. And yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, that's sort of the understanding when you first went in there with those songs. You you didn't have the, those reps. You hadn't done enough reps on, yeah. on songwriting yet to understand. Yeah, exactly. But now, yeah. the, the other thing as far as I want to say was that you mentioned it as far as Planet Love, um, your, your first album, eight of ten of those songs were re- uh, re- recorded. recorded by other artists. Yeah. And I sort of wonder about that because, you know, obviously it did not have the success that you wanted out of the album as far as just the general population. But it had this just ridiculous success as far as other artists. I mean, they loved it. George Strait and all these other artists loved these songs. 
do do you ever go all right why is it clicking with the artist and not clicking with the general public why why do oh. they like it and not the general public or or not as much oh yeah sure oh absolutely yeah i i uh <clears throat> I was disappointed at the time when that record didn't just really take off mm -hmm. because I'll tell you the, uh, the Rodney Crowell and John Leventhal did such a great job producing it and the songs were there, you know, mm -hmm. and so, but it's just fate, I guess, you know, and, and the luck of the draw sometimes, but looking back on, at it, I, I do wonder sometimes and realize it's like, you know, I wasn't really ready. If something big would have happened, I don't think I was uh, mature enough and and kind of developed enough as a recording artist. I mean, it, it who knows? It could have it could have happened, but even it what has resulted though with all of that stuff from the early days is that i still work as hard or harder at writing and recording and touring than i ever have mm -hmm. uh, and i feel like even recently it is it's more productive than i've ever been so i like that i like um i, I like the challenge mm -hmm. For sure, and, for and and it and it does. It's good for my spirit to keep creating. Oh yeah, oh and, yeah, and find new things. So I, it's I like that, you know. And I'm, who knows, you know, if I would have been really successful out of the box with these records, yeah, maybe I wouldn't even be keep creating. Yeah, 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 yeah. We. Well, I mean, with that creation, you you've constantly <clears throat> co like you said co co write with different individuals, uh, and, and they've been all over the spectrum. Uh, I mean, as far as different music influences, Elvis Costello, and one of the ones that earned you the Grammy was working with Ralph Stanley, Doctor Doctor yeah. Ralph Stanley, uh, Doctor Ralph, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, how do you approach a writing? How is, you know, I feel like the writing process or working with with uh, Ralph was different than other folks. How, how was it? Was it different? It, oh, definitely. Because Ralph had a uh, very distinct style of his own. Mm -hmm. He... He was he, he didn't even call his music bluegrass. He called it mountain music. I mean, we we think of it as bluegrass and he is in that category. But he and he would say it's the Stanley style, you know, and the, the style that he and his brother Carter from the uh, Stanley brothers mm -hmm. had. And Ralph, after Carter died in 1966, Ralph just wow. went out on his own and he just had this amazing voice that tim o'brien would say you know ralph sounded ancient when he was 20 years old mm -hmm. you know he just had this real distinct haunting great voice and so when i was writing for our albums i knew there was a certain uh, style and and certain sound that 
I had to come up with for him to sing or it just wouldn't have worked. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I couldn't write, you know, and, and that's when I first started writing with Robert Hunter. When I, through a friend of mine, I, he contacted Robert and I knew that uh, Robert and Jerry Garcia were huge Stanley brothers and Ralph Stanley fans. So that was my introduction uh, to Robert Hunter work-wise. And um, so, I, you know, it was a, a great challenge to get to write for Ralph. And if he didn't like something, I'd I kind of audition these songs and I'd be writing these songs sometimes in the studio during a lunch break or, you know, what during a break or somebody's doing an overdub. So it was very nerve wracking. But uh, when I would audition a song for him, I'd say, you know, I'd say, well, what, what do you got now? And I'd say, well, how about this one? And I'd play him something. And if he didn't like it, he'd be very diplomatic. And he'd say, you know, Jim, I, I think maybe I ought to save that for your next record. Don't you think so? <laughs> After and so I'd, I'd just go, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> well, here's another one. After, and, uh, after a couple of those, I might just be like, you you can tell me if you don't like <laughs> You just, yeah. just say, let's yeah. move on to the next right. one. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least at least he's trying to be nice. That's good. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, and he was. He was a really nice guy, and he had a great sense of humor too. I I I wonder how you mentioned. I mean, his voice is like that. Is the number one thing I knew from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Immediately when I saw that movie yeah. was that's yeah. Ralph Stanley. Like, and I wonder. Yeah how many people have seen that movie and don't know him but know that voice right. know his voice exactly it's just That's right. so so impactful when you hear it in that movie and it's just it's uh yeah it's it's i mean it's it's one of a kind one of a kind and, and you know that movie too and that soundtrack was a great that was kind of a, you know, the, the Will of Circle being broken really did something when it came out. Mm -hmm. And then that movie and the movie soundtrack also really gave a great shot in the arm to a bunch of artists, including Ralph. And Ralph actually won a Grammy for Best Country male vocalist mm. off of that album and that i'll tell you about uh year or so before that and we'd had a record out our first record uh and um he had a stroke and we were in chicago doing a show and he he only took one week off in between and, and we were playing in chicago in january and it was like a icy snow outside mm. and really cold and he just stood on the stage and he only sang two songs one of them was Odep mm -hmm. and he um I I thought man this is I don't see how he can keep going and then he got that Grammy and that great love and and attention and, and adulation and it just Reviving. It gave him a new life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
He de- it definitely, I mean, that whole, when you look at it, I mean, Allison Krauss and Dan Tuminski and all the folks on that album is just such a uh, huge shot in the arm for all, all all of those Americana bluegrass yeah. people. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's a great, al- all the sort of classic original, so, so good. I mean, I mean, you know, and, yeah. I mean, of course, Man of Constant Sorrow is now forever sort of remembered uh, in popular culture, not just in bluegrass circles because right. of that. Um, exactly. And speaking of a hit song, now that song has that quality. Yeah. That, and when Ralph would do it live, you know, there, there's a different factors to the recognition of, you know, hearing that, but that is one of those songs mm-hmm. that when you hear it, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I love this, you know. Yeah, and, and that I mean, and I think that song too really crossed some people over into sort of the bluegrass, you know, world Definitely. and more, you know, just hearing that song, and that it sort of introduced too for for Dan's career. It introduced him to. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, that's it. It was the the launch off point, and now he's been doing. You know, songs like uh, Hey Brother with uh, Avicii that he did uh, that just exploded. And I often say about him, I wonder, sort of the same thing with Ralph Stanley, like, how many people know his voice but don't know him? Like, they, like, from hearing Hey Brother and hearing uh, Man of Constant Sorrow, like billions of people, literally, and and you put him in front of them and they'd go, who's that? Where is that? And he, as soon as he starts singing, they go, "That guy! Oh, I know yeah. that guy!" <laughs> like, that's right. power of power of music. Yeah. Well, one other I wanted to ask about one other sort of co-write, just a story that I just found funny uh, on on the documentary. You went on a on a co-writing trip with Odie Blackman, Gary Allen there uh, in Costa Rica for about a week. Gary Allen invited you out to do this. And first of all, I got to say, it sounded like an awesome trip. Like it just seemed so yeah. so great to get out there in the nature of Costa Rica. Um, so if he ever decides to go again, I'm crossing my fingers. I get an invite. But uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, yeah, I, me too. Yeah, <laughs> we'll both. Yeah. You got to tell me the one thing. Uh, apparently, you found out there were noni fruit around where you were staying. And for any listener that doesn't know out there, these fruit, they look very weird. I've had noni juice before, but I'd never actually seen the fruit. And these things are bizarre. Uh, What would you do with the noni fruit while you were there? Well, I would split them open open Mm -hmm. and just eat it. Raw and it was see when you get the juice yeah in the health food store it's got sweeteners yeah and stuff in it yeah so it's not really it tastes it does not taste good <laughs> you know when you just eat other fruit and I thought I thought <laughs> I thought hey this is probably good for my complexion too I'll rub it on my face. <laughs> just. And those guys, I figured, hey, we're out here on the edge of a rainforest. There's yeah. nobody else around, just me and Odie and Gary. They already know. They already know me. And it's they fine. Got, oh my god, 
they were howling. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you? Oh my God! I'll never live that down. Circumstantial evidence. (laughs) Did you? Did you think it, it? Did it help your skin? Do you think? You know, I think it would, maybe if I used it every day for years. Was it you know, wasn't it a long have, enough study that you did? It wasn't. It wasn't some kind of a miracle. Yeah, instantaneous. You know, <laughs> face revitalizer makes sense. Oh, makes I'm sense. glad you brought. I have it. That was very <laughs> funny. And those guys, I'm telling you, just thinking about how hard they were laughing. <laughs> Uh, makes me laugh. <laughs> I, I needed that. You, Thank you for bringing You got that. some pieces of fruit coming in to your next Hey guys. <laughs> trust me. It's a health remedy. You're going to you're going to thank me later. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you I'll tell you something funny. We um my mom was starting to sadly was starting to have some memory problems and i was in north carolina uh where they were spending a good bit of time Mm -hmm. and this lady i was at this coffee place and this lady drove in in an suv and it had this sign on the door of her of her vehicle and it said something like ask me about noni juice and there was a phone number and i had read you know or been in a health food store mm-hmm. or something they're saying hey this is good for this that mm-hmm. this that memory yeah blah blah blah. so i said so is it good for your memory and she said try it and i said you know what i'm gonna sign it. and so i got into one of these deals where they give you a case mm-hmm. like send not give but they would yeah deliver it every for this yeah. thing and, and be automatically renewed to get this case mm-hmm. of noni juice every month so i had that sent to my folks <clears throat> and i gave the lady their phone numbers i was signing up and the lady was calling my dad and or called him one mm-hmm. night and said you know i'm so and so the noni distributor and my dad didn't really they never really <laughs> got into it very much and i think they they just you know weren't in, yeah they, they didn't they they didn't uh religiously you know follow the protocols of drinking it <laughs> regularly so anyway the lady calls my dad and said um yeah now i can't i can't so i'm calling i see that you guys have a case ordered every month and i talked to somebody i i it was a relative something i I can't remember, and, and my dad said, "Well, I thought it was supposed to be good for your memory, and you can't even remember <laughs> what." The, <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, good proof positive. Your dad was on it. That's right. Your dad was on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, now the new album, Game Changer. We've been talking about it just a little bit. It came out a month ago. It's the thirty-fifth album from your i mean 35 is just an immaculate catalog 35 what what i mean compared to all of the other albums what do you love about this album when you look at game changer i started this one song and recorded a few songs uh, the the kickoff track um that kind of life that kind of day and then the next session the song friends again mm-hmm. 
and I just and game changer and I thought you know I've got these songs and I had one from about a year before called keep it real mm -hmm. and I just thought this is the sound I want these songs are my blueprint and roadmap for what this record is going to be mm -hmm. and it's so I liked that it was a very clear kind of uh, guidepost for me, and and it it helped me uh, fill in the blanks with with everything else that followed, and you know that that song, that kind of life, that kind of day. I'm, I'm I can't say you know that it's a hit or something, but it but for me, I just really enjoyed playing it so much and and friends again and game changer i mean they are a real joy to do live mm -hmm. i and they're they're kind of also guiding me forward for the next few records as well so i don't know how to describe it but it it it's not like a load or something was lifted off of me but it was like a a light or something mm -hmm. you know a, a positive thing for me to kind of an energy a, a guide a, a, a star or something north star helps, helps me find my way mm -hmm. yeah but now you said uh earlier you said it was sort of that sort of traditional country sound would you say you would you say there are any of those previous 34 albums that are similar in that country sound y yes yeah um yeah, the first one that didn't get released. Mm. Uh, Planet of Love was kind of more eclectic. Yeah. It was country, but it was more, it was pushing the envelope some. And and uh, another one, a one I, couple I did for RCA records were kind of more traditional. But I, I kind of, it's like a cycle in some ways. Um, and my next record, which is pretty, much done it's just like okay i'll leave this one or that one off it follows that sound and then the third one that i've got the music recorded for it is also within that realm but there's a different kind of a twist to it mm. i mean it's still country so i'm i'm gonna kind of finish this trio of albums and kind of put them put them out with these other you know this bluegrass record um this thing with steve poltz and, and maybe this band thing with willie may but i've got other things and and i do have so many loose ends. a record <laughs> uh, there's a lot of loose ends i've got a record of, of stuff that i recorded with james burton and, and al perkins this great mm. james burton the great guitar player and and uh um I just have not been able to focus on that. And also that soul record I was mentioning. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to clear the deck. <laughs> Got to get a couple get things yeah, out. Yeah. And, and, and then I'd like to, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe go more acoustic, mm -hmm. just with acoustic type stuff. Nice. You know, that kind of sound. I don't, I'm not sure, but that'll be a couple of years from now, but I'll be working on that stuff but there i guess i get kind of an intuition or something leads me 
you get that somewhere. one stimulation and you want to then finish that yeah. that inclination that yeah. you have yeah uh, would you say i mean when you when you uh say traditional country and you said that album that didn't get released i'm guessing it's sort of the bakersfield sound very much yeah uh, yeah uh, pete anderson Dwight Yoakam's producer, and I was lucky enough to, he had taken a break from playing with Dwight on the road. Mm -hmm. So he was playing guitar with me, and I was, you know, I was just doing gigs trying to get a record deal. I was not, and just kind of hanging on because uh, there weren't a ton of gigs. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I got that deal and uh, and then did a publishing deal but pete was saying it's like well, look with the material you've got you could go two ways you could either do a buck owens bakersfield type record with a little bit of john fogarty or you could do like a john fogarty type record with a little bit of bakersfield and i said you know i think i'll go for the the bakersfield type thing so that's what we did but uh, it strangely enough it was like the label they kind of had their one guy that was their traditional guy right. and it's like well we've got yeah. that yeah you know it, it's it's it, it, it was interesting back in those days that the politics and the, you know the meetings they'd have to decide these you know the outcome and here as as a somebody who gets signed to a record deal they kind of have your uh they can do what they immediate want immediate future yeah. in their hands and it could go either way yeah you never know but i think for any recording aspiring recording artist or performer eventually i mean it all boils down to you are the one you know these other factors will come into your life of like you get a lucky break or you don't or you get rejected or, or whatever but you have to constantly create something to deliver to change your lot mm -hmm. you know because it is a very it's a hard business it's very competitive and it's very it is filled with rejections but you have to be determined enough to go well it didn't work out this time i've got to start over go back to the drawing board and come up with something else you know something that is uh no pun intended striking a chord in people's mm -hmm. hearts, hearts. Mm -hmm. So, sooner or later the cream will come to the uh, top you'll get the yeah. Yeah, your you, the talent will show through it. I mean, you know, with you, obviously, it, it it showed through on on so many songs. I mean, all the songs that other folks wrote, your your own songs. I mean, we really shouldn't be doing this, going to number one on the charts. Uh, all kinds of successful songs, whether you perform them or other people perform them. Uh, and I I think you know, I mean, obviously, being a super famous artist is great but i think you get a little bit more appreciation for it when like you said you have those moments of of doubt and rejection and then all of a sudden you hit yeah. this you hit the success that feels really great i mean when that song hit number one uh, we really shouldn't be doing this how did that feel when you had that number one song 
it 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 always felt good. Those successes always, and you know, high points always felt good, um, and and made me feel like, well, all this other stuff's been worth it. You know, all the the valleys mm-hmm. and and uh, pitfalls and everything. It all it this helps sweeten everything. You know. And, uh, but you have to keep, you can never, I mean, you can, but I don't, I, I can't count on, you know, just going, oh, okay, well, look, I've had this and I'm going to just call it a day and chill out. Never settle. Because it, no. Yeah. And, you know, when you're talking about the cream rises to the top, well, in, in my case, I think it's more of like the, oat milk sediment rises does it does the same thing yes does the same thing just a little bit of a healthier version in 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 yes. senses yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well now we we mentioned game changer what's your and you mentioned you know those three songs that were sort of the the north star if you will that kind of life friends again game changer there's obviously 12 songs on the album. What would you say is sort of the the sleeper out of the other nine that is sort of your favorite that came out after those those first three sort of originated? Hmm. Ah, boy, that's a good question. Um, I kind of, I, I think maybe the last song on there called I'll Keep My Heart Open For You mm-hmm. And I wrote that with a young writer named Sarah Duguay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that to me too, is kind of like one of these songs that I, I, I think, you know, that's gonna be one that I'll close the shows with. You know, it's a good, it's kind of, it's a, a ballad and it's kind of this positive message, you know, it's and, uh, So I, I think maybe that one. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well. You, you said you've got an album there. We've got another album after Game Changer. Is there any, I mean, is that one completely finished? Yes. I've got to sing the, uh, one phrase that I somehow mistakenly didn't do on the outro or kind of what, what, what we call the tag, you mm-hmm. know, the thing that kind of right. ends a song. And I've got to do that and get it mixed. Um, I have a, about three of them I need to mix. And then with the, I think there's like 15 that fit for this thing and to go, all right, let trim three of these mm-hmm. away. And so what would, uh, you know, or, or hey, I might even chop it down to 10 if that makes it more kind of lean and yeah nice yeah not lean and mean but <laughs> lean and happy uh well, yeah. now uh i'm guessing that's sort of that's a, that's a plan for 2023 that's gonna be well that one if and i i i shouldn't be saying that because i've learned you I never know i had a man i had a manager one time because i i do think yeah. ahead a lot when I, and yeah. he's like don't talk about 
future albums talk about this. Well, album. when you, but but that, but but hey, we're almost to twenty twenty three. When you, when you've got so many loose ends, it makes sense. I, I can see why yeah. why why he would say that. You you want to make sure you got the one out there. And and Jim, yeah. uh, Game Changer is fantastic. It's a great album. Thanks. Um, Thank but. You. We are up against a break. I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to thank us today. It's been yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Thank I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Folks, we'll see you see Wednesday, I mm-hmm. hope. Yes. Yes. So listeners, you can make sure to check him out at the Blue Jay Listening Room on the 12th next week, Wednesday. You don't want to miss it. Uh, you can check all things Jim Lauderdale out at his website, jimlauderdalemusic.com. Right now, let's take a let's take a listen to that that sleeper on the album. I'll keep my heart open for you. That's what we're going to hear right here on the Doc G show. I may never change your mind when it's way past closing time. Keep my
Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Jim Lauderdale with Game Changer right here on the Doc G Show. My Game Changer, that is Mr. Lauderdale. Super impressive dude, Mike. Just a, what a career. What a career. Yeah, I do definitely. sort of wonder, though, you know, it, it it's like I ask him, like, I, I guess like the equivalent would be somebody, like, it's tough. If you're super famous, you're doing all these big shows, you do these big things, and then you've got another like small venue to go back to. Like what like when you went out with Joe Coy and you were opening for him, these thousands of people that you were you were uh doing comedy for, and then you go back to your regular stand up, is it a little rough when you go back to like a sm- you're like, "Oh. Hmm. Now I got like 20 people in here. This is lame." Yeah, that, it's, it's pretty wild. Like, you just go well, back and you're just like, oh, I'm back at an open mic. I guess this yeah. is really what it is. You just get these temporary, like, moments of, like, brilliance. Yeah. And then and then the then the light goes off and then you're, like, back to reality. It's, but but uh, I, I guess it's just the love. It's just the love of entertainment. It yeah. Gets you, it keep, keeps, you, it keeps you going. Because, I mean, yeah. it keeps him. It's been keeping him going for 40-some years. It's yeah, it's not really like discouraging. You're just kind of like ah, you just get used to it. You're like the oh. the 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 highs and lows. Not Topsy even like turvy. Lows. Yeah, it's just yeah. wild. It's just wild. Yeah, it's, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Mike, did you see? Did you see? Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Ah, it's on my it's on my list, Doc G. I added it to the list. I definitely want to watch that movie though. Heard, you'll you'll yeah. be familiar with one of. Uh, with one of um, uh, Jim's collaborators, then the, okay, Ralph Stanley that we talked about in the interview, because like I said, in Ralph Stanley, that's pretty much. I feel like I don't know how many people have seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I mean, by now it's got to be like a billion people. I I feel like all of them would be able to recognize Ralph Stanley's voice now from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Because he's got this song in the movie called "Oh Death." Uh, it's a, it's like an old Appalachian song, and he sings it a, a couple pivotal times in the movie. And like, I just feel like everybody knows his voice from that movie. They just don't know who he is. Like, yeah, sadly he's passed away. But amazing movie, Mike. Get a chance, watch it. Good oh, it's definitely on the list. It's definitely one of those you'll, gotta see it. You'll have to do some deep diving on it. There's a whole bunch they weave, you know, there's all kinds of old stories that are we uh, woven into the actual story of the movie. Like, you know, it's one of those that it's 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 on the surface, it's three guys escaping from prison. 
But on, on you know, all the way we've uh, wove through are all these old stories throughout history that they make these stories into their escape from prison. So, mm. fair, it's, it's a complex story, Mike. It's a complex story. And on top of it all, you've got the great George Clooney just looking yeah. sexy as ever, you know? Just... Just, just, just being just debonair, you know. Anyways, Mike, isn't uh, isn't Andre three thousand in that as well? Isn't he? I think, or was that a different? I feel like that's a Andre different 3, movie. He's not in that movie. Okay, never mind. I, I go ahead. I'm gonna say that, and I'm ninety five percent confident. I may come back yeah. next way. And next, I'm probably confused. I'm probably thinking of a different one. Pretty positive you are. I think yeah. you're thinking of another old time movie. But old timey, but modern. Yeah. Anywho, Mike, it's time for the fastest growing ah, segment in the world. The Doc G Top 3. Woo! Woo! Mike, I uh I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty happy with this this uh topic this week. This topic's uh this week's topic is the home jobs, things around the house that you fancy yourself as being good at. You might not like them, but you're the best at these things. Or at mm-hmm. least you, you're better than everything else that you do like this. So, <laughs> Mike, what's your number three home job that you are good at? I would say number three for me would be uh, dishwashing. I'm really um, OCD about making sure everything is like really, really clean before it even goes in the dishwasher. And then I think where I excel, Doc G, and I've actually watched a few YouTube videos here, mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at organizing the dishwasher is gonna be one of my wow. my my trades, one of my, sk- my around the house skills. I'm really good at organizing the dishwasher. Everything gets the perfect amount of surface like the the surface is exposed enough to really make sure to really make everything clean in the dishwasher doc i spend a lot of time thinking about this what about you mike your home your home job compliments (laughs) mine because i am horrible (laughs) at things like that i i'm so bad at anything really organization wise that's a fact Mm -mm. Mm -mm. not for me not for me Mm. mike my number one and i haven't done this in a long time but i do fancy myself very good at it Cutting the grass. Nice. <laughs> okay. Cutting the grass. Okay. I, I feel like I am very efficient. I used to do it when I, when I was a younger a, a younger lad. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to do yeah. several of my relatives' yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, I could do it pretty fast. I could do a good line job. I could yeah. do some good weed eating. You know, mm-hmm. I was never too overambitious with my lines, you know? Like some people, they get too overambitious. They're trying yeah. to cut more than they can with each each round, and so you yeah. miss little teeny strips. No, no, no. I I, I overlap my rounds. Mm-hmm. They're overlapped, so nothing is missed. And I do not go too fast, too, where the blade can't get around fast enough. Mm. I take a quality job Important. when I'm mowing some grass. It's very quality. Very and cool. you weed eat like weed eating is the bonus. Like that's a bonus. Now uh, the real task. big the the real big bonus is the lining to me. Getting all the lining around the edges. Yeah, true. And Very I true. did that back in the day in Virginia with a manual liner, not with a not with a gas powered liner. So okay. I just had two blades cutting that thing going on the lining. 
That's some real mm. some real sweat work right there, Mike. That's okay. elbow grease going into it. We know yeah. where elbow grease came from. Anyways, yeah. Mike, what's your number two? Uh, number two for me, I would say vacuuming. I'm pretty vacuuming. good at vacuuming. I feel like I'm very thorough. I nice. make sure all the everything's off the ground. Nice. I, I dust things off. Nice. That can sort yeah. of overlap with my cutting the grass. I it's, mean, that's yeah, basically yeah. like the indoor version of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to actually open up with that. Like, yeah, indoor lawn mowing. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's exactly the same. The uh, lines. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. you know, it's surprising, though, how bad I am at vacuuming. That's a fact. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just I. I just don't care as much. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When I have the job of of of, I guess maybe it's because more people see my grass job if I'm doing a mowing job than they see my vacuuming because nobody ever comes you, to my house. So do you, you have know. hardwood floors throughout? Uh, yes, so. yes. Okay. So that's that's yeah. a big thing too. Is you know, um, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I just, yeah, that's one of those that I don't really put too much into is vacuuming. Now, the my second one, putting together home items that need assembly. Hmm. So anything that comes in a box that needs to be put together. That's a fact. I feel like I'm very good at that. Even complex directions. I can take a lot of complex directions. Mike, I bought my parents a very nice grill for Christmas. And me and my dad put together that grill. We put it together in like under an hour and a half. And it was a huge nice. grill. Yeah. 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 The grills are And we only needed thing, to yeah. we only needed to do like uh retrack our steps once. There was one mistake that we were like, oh, you gotta take gotta take that piece off. Gotta take that piece off. But aside from mm. that, flawless. Nice. Flawless. That's Mike. amazing. So That's really good. I, and you know, I mean, it's sad that I feel like I need to brag about my ability to read directions, but I feel What's like the I'm, most complex thing you've put together. I would probably say that grill, or grill. I have an entertainment unit in my living room hmm. that's a side entertainment unit, uh. and it literally came in like four hundred pieces. Like, mm. literally, the book to put it together was larger than my dissertation. <laughs> like, it was just, yeah, oh, it was insane, man. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that, you know, you know how they normally have, you know, step one, step two. Mm-hmm. And this, there were over 150 steps to it. Oh, man. Yeah. And that one. That's that, too many steps. That, that one I did in a three-part job. I started one day and I was like, okay, that's enough of that. And then I started mm-hmm. the next day, and I was like, okay, I'm close. <laughs> and then the last day, I finished it. But those those two were probably my most complicated. And both of them came okay. out very nice, and I've enjoyed both of them for a good while. Hey, there you so, go. You know. There you go. Number one, Mike. My number one um, is probably going to be gardening and plant care. Oh, um, there you go. I don't know about gardening. I don't have a garden. I'm just, I just am really decent at taking care of our plants around here, around our house. Got it. Got it from your mom, yeah. huh? Yeah. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I absolutely love my plants. I like nice. look at them. I try to smell them, and I yeah. try to let them know I'm here. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I think you're conscious and aware, and I'm. That's right. Yeah, they, I Mike. Love it. They, I love they, it all. they have it. There is research <laughs> out there that shows they will yeah. respond to your voice. There's research that shows they respond, they change their directions on sound, they change their directions on on the sunlight. So very important to Mm -hmm. show those plants love. 
you know? <laughs> exactly. And yeah. what about just, you? To, just to have good plant care. I was going to put that on there, but honestly, I'm not that great at caring for plants. And okay. right now, my mom is actually taking care of most of my plants. Mm. Uh, because when I moved locations, my parents' house was a stop for all of, like, basically my plants that I had as a grad student. And they just never left my parents' house. So, wow. yeah, they're just hanging out there. They've got a great life with my mom. They, they've got That's a great good. life. Yeah. That's they're, good. They're in a, they're in a sunroom there. <laughs> they get plenty of sun. It's nice. It's nice. Um, my, my number one, it's an odd one. I don't know if people brag about this, but I do. <laughs> it's hanging frames. I hanging think I'm, frames. I'm very good at hanging frames. I have a natural ability to get the geometric organization correct to yeah. look at something and line it up without a uh with without a, a level without any type of measuring tools although I pretty much always double check with a level and uh and a uh, measuring device but so true I just have an ability man sometimes I go yeah. in freestyle Right now, in my living room, I freestyled my frames. And I guarantee you, if you came in, you'd be like, oh, you freestyled those? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I went in <laughs> I went in with the nail, nails and hammer and just went to it. And it's an huh. amazing job. I will put my, I will put my name to it. It's an amazing yeah. job, Mike. Hey, I don't, I don't doubt you at all, Doc G. I've seen the studio. I've seen the record align alignment. And right this now, is... I'm I'm looking at about a hundred and fifty records that have been uh, organized with the same spacing throughout in our studio. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. And uh, it uh, it's not perfect for me. I it can see great. some, you know, some abnormalities, and it, it does irk me. But I'm just like. Eh. <laughs> Uh, uh. If you make one change, you have to change everything. Exactly. Right? Like if you just move a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like sand. Out. It's it's like having an uneven table and trying to sand down one of the legs to make it even. You're just uh, oh no, I've upset the balance. Oh no, again. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Mike, next week an interesting topic for the Doc G top three. We have. The three most annoying bathroom habits of other people. Wait, what? Mm. What do other people do in the bathroom when you're in there that you go, what? Why would you, what? what? Why would you do that? Those are my, the, hey, trust me. I, I At first I was like, is this is this a topic that we have enough things and I started thinking yeah, about I it. Know. I was like, yeah, yeah there okay. are. There are definitely enough things. I've got my top three already. I thought of them. Really? Yeah. yeah I, I might not know where to begin. I, I might have at least one when you I say I might it. have some Fair honorable enough. mentions to it, too. We might have some honorable <laughs> mentions. Um, Mike, we got two more birthday suits to go. Are you ready? Yes. I do you ready. want the yes. president or do you want the basketball player? Mm. Ah, I always go not basketball player, so let's do president. Okay, Mike. Save birthday. the last one that I might be able to get. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll I, I think you might be something. able to get him, the basketball right. player. Uh, the president, uh, I'm pretty positive yeah, you hopefully. won't get it. Um, <laughs> but to your defense, I'm guessing like 99.4% of America wouldn't be able to get him. 
All right. Because he is a very not well-known president. I would say he's one of the least known presidents. It's not Millard Fillmore for anybody that's out there that's wondering. We had a segment on Millard Fillmore, Mike. We might need to bring Millard Fillmore back. Um, Anyways, Mike, born on October 5th. 1829 in Fairfield, Vermont. He was named after the physician that helped deliver him. He had seven siblings that were uh, uh, that lived and eight uh, siblings total. After graduating high school, our birthday suit wearer studied law and became a lawyer in New York. Our birthday suit wearer became a brigadier general during the Civil War fighting for the Union side. After his military appointment, he returned to law. He was appointed to a collector position at the Custom House at the Port of New York by Ulysses S. Grant. President Rutherford B. Hayes fired him in 1878 from the position. In 1880, he ran with James Garfield for the president and vice president of the United States. Garfield running president and our birthday suit wearer uh, running as vice president. Only a couple of months into the presidency, James Garfield was assassinated and our birthday suit wearer became the 21st president of the United States. When it became president, he had a wild mustache Mm. And it worked its way into super long mutton chops. It literally, so there's no middle part of the beard, Mike. This is all gone. And then he's got these super long, wispy hairs on his beard. And Mm -hmm. then the mustache going down into it. It's pretty insane looking. Uh, He didn't do too many notable things while in office, but he also ran a pretty smooth presidency. Like... Nobody remembers him for anything, but nobody remembers him for anything really bad either. Uh, Mark Twain wrote of his presidency, it would be hard indeed to better this president's administration. There you go. So Mark Twain Mm. thought it was pretty great. Uh, His health wasn't so good at the end of his term, Mike, and he retired without running for a second term. He died less than a year after finishing his presidential term in 1886. Name that birthday suit wearer. Was it Taft? Not Taft. You're fair. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I guess I would consider that within the ballpark of time range. Okay. All right. Uh, you I'll know, take that. Taft, Taft was in between there as far as Roosevelt, you know. He was uh, a president, though, right, Taft? Taft, yes. Okay. He, the, Taft was the one that's notable for being known that he got stuck in a bathtub. Uh, in the White House, even though that's not true. So true. Um, but this would be Chester A. Arthur. Chester oh. Arthur. Chester. Yeah. You didn't know Chester, did you? No. Nope. Yeah, uh, Chester I is I Taft a- in my head the whole time you were saying the whole thing. I was like, I'm saying Taft no matter what. Taft uh, is a real <laughs> president, and I know this will be at least an acceptable answer. Let's Taft go with that. Taft has a weird beard or weird he did. mustache He did. He had name. quite a mustache. Taft okay. did. Yeah, Taft was right at the start of the 1900s. So, I mean, it's about, you know, 40, 30 years off of where Chester okay. A. Arthur was. He's not too far. Like I said, I think you, you could consider it ballpark. Ballpark, okay. you know? But yeah, Chester A. Arthur, one of those guys that totally is not remembered, sadly. I mean, I would say one of the main reasons. He's one of the fellas that that 
became president because he was vice president and a president was assassinated. One of the only presidents besides uh, uh, Lincoln and JFK that were assassinated. I don't think many people remember Garfield either, you know? Yeah. Who remembers James A. Garfield? If I ask, no, I so. if I ask the uh, the public who what presidents were assassinated, hopefully they could give me JFK. Hopefully they could give me Lincoln, but uh, I don't think they're getting Garfield. I don't think they're getting James A. So. Garfield. No, no, no. Anyways, Chester A. Arthur, twenty first president, Mike, twenty first president. There you go. There you go. All right, our uh, last birthday suit, born on October 5th, 1972 in Dallas, Texas. His family moved to Virginia when he was young. Our birthday suit wearer uh, loved basketball and excelled in the sport. He ultimately had his choice of colleges and chose Duke University. He played all four years at Duke. His first two years, they won the national championship. He was also a three-time All-ACC player. Jeez. And ACC Player of the Year in 1994. Our birthday suit wearer was drafted third overall by the Detroit Pistons. He had an amazing amazing rookie season. 19.9 points, 6.4 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1.77 steals a game. As a rookie, he mm. won the Rookie of the Year. Uh, well, co-won it. With uh, with um, Jason Kidd, in his second year, he led the league in triple doubles and came in third for MVP voting. In 2000, though, he injured his ankle pretty bad and had to leave the playoffs. Before his ankle, uh, before his ankle injury, he scored more points, rebounds, and assists than anyone in NBA history, except for Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, and LeBron James in that same time period, in that same amount of seasons. Those yeah. are the only people that had more stats than him. It's a pretty impressive list. Uh, sadly, over the next several years, his ankle kept getting injured, kept missing uh, games. Over the next twelve seasons. He only averaged 40 game, 49 games a season. Played for the Magic, and he played for the Phoenix Suns. He still managed to be a seven-time All-Star, a five-time All-NBA player, and a three-time winner of the NBA Sportsmanship Award. He also has a pretty popular shoe when he came out as a rookie from Fila. From Fila. Hmm. Name that birthday suit wearer. Hmm. I don't know why. I want to go with Chauncey Billups. Nope. Oh, no. Mm-mm. No. G-H um, are his initials, Mike. G-H? G-H. Hmm. G-H. Yeah, I don't know. You're going to know the name, I feel like it. Yeah, Grant probably. Hill. Ah, Grant Hill. Ah, I didn't yes. know that about his ankle. Ah, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that about, yeah. Oh, no. man. He, he's one of those what-ifs. Like, I feel like him and Anthony Hardaway, both of them, if they could have stayed healthy, yeah. those guys would have been so impressive, man. Like, yeah. Grant Hill, those first four years of his career were insane. Like, mm-hmm. he was doing so good. Like, third in MVP voting in his second year. 
third in MVP voting. Like, and just like, I mean, he was dominant. Like the year before he hurt that in uh, that ankle badly in 2000, like he was averaging something like 26 points a game, like eight some rebounds a game, like just all over, just just dominating. Wow. Man. So like, yeah, it really is one of those. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, I had a piece of tape on my toe, Mike. Girl, come on! <laughs> um, he was really dominating before that point. So, you know, it's, 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 I mean, and then for those 12 seasons after that, he was basically averaging a half a season for the rest of his career, just being injured all the time. One time, he got injured, they had surgery on his ankle, and he got MRSA when he was recovering. Ah. Yeah, almost died from that infection. From the, the surgery. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, Mike, uh, let's see. Grant Hill, turn to the big 5-0. 5-0 yeah. for Grant. 5-0, man. I think he lives in Orlando, too. I think he yeah. lives there. I think, I, think he's a, I think he's a Florida resident. Yeah. 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 I, see, I saw him at a restaurant once. Nice. Yeah. Did you high-five him? Hey, hey Grant. Uh, What's up? Nah, he was, I was trying to be cool. He was he already was like, getting bothered, yeah. He, I was yeah. like, oh, man, it's just a matter of time. Everybody's going to go up to him. But. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you don't wanna, nah. Nah, nah. Mm. But anyways. If it was happy, Shaq, though, if it was Shaq, I'd uh, be like, Shaq hey. would be fine. Shaq, <laughs> Shaq, Shaq will say hey to everybody. He's yeah. just an enormous happy man. Uh, Grant Hill, happy birthday. Happy 5-0. Chester A. Arthur, happy a birthday. And, of course, Travis Kelsey, happy birthday. Mike, we have some fantastic shows in the pipeline. I can't wait. Yes. We've, got, uh, we've got the Pixies, the world-famous Pixies coming on Amazing. the show. My gosh, this band. They have done it all. They have inspired so many other bands. Can't wait to have their guitarist, Joey Santiago, on the show. So true. We've got some other great artists coming on the show as well, Mike. I mean, I'm just, I'm, my goodness. We've got, we've got, unfortunate, we've got uh, a fortunate youth coming on the show. Fantastic reggae band that's been doing it for so long. We've got the California Honey Drops coming on. I can't wait. It's going to be a fantastic. Uh, but until... Next week, Mike, we need to wrap it up. Uh, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, MMFC Notorious. Doc G, thank you so much. Great time. Very informational. Lots of of stuff. Of course. Always good. And until next week, guys, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo-dah.